0: Welcome once again to the Sports Beat with Richard Holderidge. How's everybody doing? I'm so glad to be here. Just a reminder that you are listening to us on WQEE 99.1 FM, the key out of Noonan. And we are brought to you by Ivy Park Sports Bar and Grill, Christie's Cafe, the Man in the Mirror podcast, and Local Grounds Coffee Company. Got a great show for you, including Glenwood and Lee Scott Academy in the state championship game tonight. The Hawks just can't figure out the Boston Celtics. And the LaGrange College Lady Panthers lose to Emory last night at the Mariotti Gymnasium. I actually was listening to that game on WQEE. Pretty exciting game. All right. You know, as I've been doing over 500 episodes, this is actually episode 506. I've had a busy week of guests and the busy week of guests continue because you're going to get two guests today on the show. My broadcast partner and co-host, Corey Bank, is going to have a day off. He will join me on tomorrow's show. But on today's show, I have Sports Visions, Thrift Behringer, as we're going to talk a little bit about high school football and my weekly guest, Justin Dale. I'm talking about everything that has happened over the weekend in Georgia sports. But we do have a lot to cover. Remember, this is a local Five-day-a-week show to Columbus. We've had a lot of local personalities from the Fountain City here on this show in the last week because we've got to break it down. But let's start with the Glenwood Gators trying to make history tonight at the Cramden Bowl, taking on their longtime rival, Lee Scott Academy, in the AISA Championship game tonight in Montgomery, Alabama. Glenwood, who started 0-2, are 8-3, Taking on Lee Scott, who's 11-0, I've got to tell you that Lee Scott Academy has been dominant all year. And you know, when I have my high school football rankings, I've put Lee Scott Academy number one. Head coach Buster Daniel has got a great program, but Glenwood has played them the closest so far this season. If there's anybody that could pull off the upset, it is the Glenwood Gators. Glenwood had some key players down in that game up at Lee Scott Academy. I think that this is going to be a great game. If Glenwood wins, it will be their first state championship since 1992. Now, they have a lot of state championships for baseball. They have not had a football championship in 30 years. That would be something special. And it would be special for Glenwood, the community of Phoenix City, and everybody that's involved in Gator Nation. So come on out to the Cramden Bowl. It's only an hour and a half away from Columbus to support the Glenwood Gators, the Lee Scott Academy, Rebels, both teams from the Chattahoochee Valley, both teams I've covered all year on my high school football show. So good luck to both of them. But, you know, I'm pulling for Glenwood just because I've called a couple of Glenwood games this year alongside Corey Bank. We even called the game where the lights went out in the stadium and That was pretty awesome. I want to talk about the Atlanta Hawks. This is a good team that just needs to figure out their bench and their three-point shooting. And they also need to figure out the Boston Celtics. Celtics are a good team. They reached the NBA Finals last year, and I thought that they could have won. They have a plethora of depth that surrounds their two All-Stars, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. They were out key players, and they were able to get the victory over the Atlanta Hawks at State Farm Arena, 126 to 101, led by Jalen Brown's 22 points. When he's hot, he's hot. He is on. Even though Trey Young had 27 points and Dejounte Murray got 19, still did not get a whole lot from Clint Capella. Their bench was non-existent, but I think that will change when Bogdan Bogdanovic comes back from injury cuz he'll be the sixth man coming off the bench looking at the box score, you know cuz I always check the box score with the Atlanta Hawks. Aniekah Congru was a non-factor as far as points. He did have 9 rebounds. The Boston Celtics are just a great team and it's like the, they're catalyst. Their former Atlanta Hawk Al Horford. He is the glue that gets everything rolling. He is the veteran player that the Boston Celtics needed To push them to the NBA Finals, they just ran into a buzzsaw when they got to the Finals against the Golden State Warriors. Speaking of the Golden State Warriors, there is something seriously wrong with the Golden State Warriors. The defending NBA champions are reeling. They have not figured it out. And Say what you want about a slow start, and they'll end up figuring it out in the playoffs. But Clay Thompson doesn't look right. Jordan Poole doesn't look right. They just sent James Wiseman down to the G League. Their rising up-and-coming stars who were supposed to carry the Warriors in year two, like Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody, are not getting the job done. But, like I said, still early in the NBA season. They're currently 6-9 and nine on the outskirts of the playoffs. I mean, they're on the outskirts of the play-in game. Right now... The surprising team winners of four straight are the Sacramento Kings that have a 7-6 and six record. And remember, I made the bold prediction before the NBA season even started that the Sacramento Kings would make the playoffs for the first time since 2006. And yes, the play-in game counts. It absolutely counts if they get into the play-in game. We have Thursday Night Football tonight on Prime Video. Green Bay Packers taking on the Tennessee Titans. And the Packers, who got a great win over the Dallas Cowboys, can they carry that momentum? And if you got Christian Watson on your fantasy team, you better start him. I'm telling you. I actually immediately went to waiver wires to see if he was available, and he was already grabbed. Because I believe Aaron Rodgers has a favorite target now. Once he gets a favorite target, Aaron Rodgers... Can be unstoppable. The Green Bay Packers can run the table. I think the Tennessee Titans are in trouble tonight on Prime Video. You know, I don't mind these Thursday night football games. I really don't. So last night at the Mariotti Gymnasium up in LaGrange, Georgia, the LaGrange Lady Panthers lost to Emory 84-72. And you can listen to the game on 99.1 WQEE. I was actually listening to the game, and it was a very good game. Uh, Layla Battle led the Lady Panthers with 20 points. And after getting their first victory over Barry College, they drop a contest to Emory, and they will take on Pensacola Christian on Saturday at 2. That is going to be down in Pensacola, Florida. But the Lady Panthers are 2-3 and three on the season. Meanwhile, the LaGrange Panthers, who are 1-1 one and one on the season after beating Millsaps over the weekend, will take on Birmingham Southern this Friday night in the Wingate by Wyndham Classic. It's going to be tip-off at 6 p.m. at the Mariotti Gymnasium. They got a nice home stretch. They will take on Swanee on Saturday. On Monday, the 21st, they will take on Pensacola Christian at the Marriotti Gym. And as always, you can either watch the game on Panthers Live or you can listen to the game on WQEE 99.1, your home for Southern Sports. I normally don't talk about gymnastics on this show, but we have a special player out of Auburn University, home in the Chattahoochee Valley, to collegiate gymnastics. And I always joke around here on the show saying that my two daughters will become the Venus and Serena Williams of gymnastics, as they are both in gymnastics. Actually, my youngest is going to be a two-sport star because she's starting soccer in the spring, so you better watch out. The Rapids announcer's daughter's playing soccer? Oh, yeah. But Suni Lee is going to be at her final year at Auburn in 2023 as she focuses on the 2024 Olympics that are going to be in Paris. So if you want to see a gold medal gymnast compete at the collegiate level in Auburn Gymnastics, that's a hot ticket. I mean, that was a hot ticket last year. There was not an empty seat. And uh, the local sports stations did a great job covering Auburn Gymnastics all year. And I've got to get my daughters to see Suni Lee and Darian Gobert. She follows me on Twitter. A big shout-out to Darian. Just wish Auburn Gymnastics the best of luck this year. It's going to be fun. They actually went deep into the NCAA playoffs, but they fell to Oklahoma. Well, Oklahoma football is not having a great year. At 5-5, they have the worst record since 1998. This is pre-Bob Stoops era. How far has the Oklahoma Sooners football team fallen? First of all, I don't think that Brent Venables is the right guy. I think that he is just a defensive coordinator. And they need to do some soul searching in the offseason. Do you give him one more year? What about the transfer portal? Got to turn this thing around because Oklahoma should be competing for the Big 12 championship, not going 5-5 five and five in danger of missing out on a bowl game. On a serious note, just my thoughts and prayers go out to the Virginia Cavalier community. Over the weekend, three football players were killed and they made the tough decision to cancel the upcoming game against Coastal Carolina as the community just takes time to heal. This is the right move. Hopefully the Cavaliers will come back strong from this. Going up to school in Virginia, I'm well aware that this is a very passionate fan base you have Virginia Tech and Virginia. I was asking the residents when I was up there in Virginia, who are you more passionate about, Virginia Tech or Virginia? Well, both schools are incredible. They both face their own tragedy. And, you know, sometimes when you have something like this, that's all people think about. I mean, with martial football, that's all people thought about for years was the plane crash. Uh, Virginia Tech football you know with the Virginia Tech shootings you just can get past this and hopefully the Virginia Cavaliers football team can get past this all right let's bring out our first guest because I'm gonna actually have Thrift Barringer on and then I'm gonna have Justin Dale on so we will be back and when we come back Thrift Barringer is gonna be on and then I'm gonna go right into Justin Dale I'm not even gonna intro uh, because these uh, interviews were recorded earlier So we'll be right back. You don't want to go anywhere. Back with the Prince of Panama City, Thrift Behringer. You don't want to miss it. And we're back on the show, and I am excited about my next guest because it is Thrift Behringer from Sports Visions, a.k.a. the Prince of Panama City, Coach T. uh, My girls love you. I know you do a great job with Campus Academy. They were able to attend your week-long session uh, this summer, and you just do a phenomenal job do wonderful things in the community, Thrift, and you're also a proud alumnus of the Press Box with Bobby Z. I was able to have Bobby Z on the show as uh, we just reminisced about the Press Box with Bobby Z, and and you're just doing wonderful things. Uh, Thrift, welcome to the show.
1: Yeah, most definitely, man. I'm always going to give a shout-out to Bobby Z whenever I get a chance. I was 18 years old. I didn't know anything other than I know I wanted to talk about sports, But I didn't know what realm I was going to get into. I didn't know how to get into it. And I remember sending Bobby Z a Facebook message. And I've always been ambitious, so I'm not scared to ask. But I didn't know who to ask and where to go to. So I just sent him a message saying, hey, man, I want to intern. I just want to sit in for an entire summer, every single show, and learn as much as I can. And I was able to do that at 18. Then when I came back to CSU, I did it uh, another time um, for a whole nother year. So I thoroughly always Shout out Bobby Z whenever I get a chance. And uh, miss those press box days from 2011, 2015.
0: And I have had Bobby Z on the show. It was such a great time just to go back and see the star power that was created from the press box yourself. Now the brand new weekend sports anchor at WRBL, Tyler Redmond. You have Buckets. He's been a guest on the show. And then Josh Pate. Unreal. At the national level, you can't get bigger than Josh Pate. It's just amazing.
1: Yeah, oh, most definitely, man. I just saw Josh the other day at the Tennessee George game that I was able to cover. And, uh, you know, it's always good to talk to someone like that. And I always give the story. Josh, and especially in my time, um, at being 21 years old, when I met him, he humbled me and he humbled me in a good way. Like, you know, there's some people that humble you or, you know, you can take it as hating or whatever it may be. But Josh, um, he really, you know, pushed me in the right direction. He showed how to be professional, how you have to work hard to have a good work ethic. And that you if you care about this industry, it's not something where you just cut on a microphone, record for a couple hours and then you're done. You need to listen back. You need to try to improve on things. You got to do your research. You got to watch a lot of film, a lot of games and stuff. And I took that from my time with Josh as well. But you're right. Bobby Z, he let us. And you know this, Richard. Whenever you were able to come on the show, Bobby didn't tell you how to say this, you have to do that, you have to talk this way. He allowed you to be you and whoever you uh, may have been or whatever you wanted to talk about. So it was always awesome to be on. And Richard, I'm excited about today's show and I'm excited about what's going on in the Chattahoochee Valley area. A lot of great sports and a lot of great teams going on right now.
0: Exactly, and that's why I wanted to have you on. I had your broadcast partner on, DJ Jones. I've had Jack Patterson on, but we just got a week of nothing but all-star guests. On Thursday's show, I'm going to have Alex Storjehan and Jay Krupp from the Columbus River Dragons. They are off to a hot start. They get the sweep over the Watertail Wolves. you got the Columbus State men and women's basketball team in action. The women's soccer team in the third round of the NCAA playoffs. They're taking on Flagler. This Friday afternoon at the Walden Soccer Complex, always a great time. And then also, I'm involved with the Columbus Rapids, and the Rapids season is going to be going underway in about a month. And, of course, and I forgot to mention thrift, high school football, of course. We got the semifinals for Alabama. We got the second round for Georgia. Just a great time. And also wanted to throw in high school basketball as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, mean, I'm super super excited excited. about it, Richard. I'm super excited about the opportunity. I get to do the, or get to be, not to get to do, but get to be the play-by-play guy for the Pacelli Vikings basketball teams. And I'm super excited about that. I have been, you know, Good friends with Corey Black for a long time. And I remember um, when I was back in high school and he had his showcases and exposure camps and he allowed me the opportunity to get a scholarship to go play, even albeit the junior college level, doesn't matter. He helped me get a scholarship, helped my get my brother and many, I'm talking about thousands of other players, thousands upon thousands all over, not just here in Columbus, Atlanta and all over the area. So super excited um to be able to do this and you know i did the play-by-play for the uh cb Hoots perfect practice fall league that had a lot i'm talking about 10 to 12 teams around the area had players come and play in this and majority of them didn't play football so they had an opportunity you know nothing going on in the month of october there are several football players that are still going to be rejoining these teams uh whenever their season's in but Can't wait for it. Pacelli's got one of the best teams in the region. Corey Black's had a team that's been competitive, and now they're in a new classification that should be even more competitive in. And honestly, they're probably a top-five team already in football number one, but now in basketball, preseason top five, and many people think the favorite to maybe win it all.
0: Well, let's talk about St. Ed Pacelli. In football, they got a playoff game at Dymel Field this Friday if there's a possible chance, especially if Brookstone beats First Presbyterian Day, and if St. Ampicelli wins their game, we could see a potential second-round matchup between St. Ampicelli and Brookstone, which begs the question, is that once again a battle for the Brucelli jug, or does it matter because it's it's a playoff game?
1: That's a great question, question. Richard, and I honestly think that's a good question that both coaches in both respective schools and administrators are going to be asked if this happens. That question will be asked, and it'll be all over the newspaper. I know Jack Patterson probably going and ask it as well. Um, but talking about these two teams, let's first start with Pacelli. They only have one loss on the season, and it was a Tattano Square. And I talked to Corey Black and Coach Dwight Jones. They believe that, you know, they should have won that game. And then uh, Brookstone, when last time they played Pacelli, um, they were down, you know, 14 points majority of the game. Brookstone then made it close at the end. The receiver, Walter Blanchard, who's going to Georgia, unstoppable, was one of the more dominant, aside from Malachi Hosley, which you get to call the Northside game. We'll talk about that later. Um, But aside from Malachi Hosley, he's been one of the more dominating players in our county uh, for sure. So super excited about it. Um, uh, The question you asked, I I think it should be up for grabs, just like, remember, Auburn, Georgia, played a few years ago in the SC Championship after they – played in the regular season still mattered as a robbery game. I don't know if they're going to do that because I know Coach Corey Black loves having that job for the second straight year, but both these teams should be um, playing each other if they win and both of them are playing at home.
0: Well, let's talk about your alma mater, Glenwood. They have a huge game in the AISA State Championship in Montgomery, Alabama against their longtime rival, Lee Scott Academy. I've had the privilege to call some Glenwood games. One thing I noticed – about the campus of Glenwood, when you step onto the football field, the baseball field is right there. They have a ton of state championships on the outfield wall. You could see it. Of course, Tim Hudson went to Glenwood. Now he's the head coach at Lee Scott Academy for baseball. But Glenwood has not won a state title in football in approximately 30 years. How big would it be for your alma mater and for the community of Phoenix City and the Glenwood Gators to win a state championship?
1: This would be a fan, fan, fantastic. I'm going to say as many fans as I can. I'm um, going to be absolutely great game. Le- Glenwood winning a state championship for the first time since 1992, dude. 1992. It has been over 30 years Here, since the last time Glenwood won a state championship. championship.
0: I did see the banner. Uh, I know that they don't have many football championships, but they do have a ton of baseball championships. But head coach Ryan Nelson has got a great team. I think that Dallas Crow is just the perfect dual-threat quarterback. JT Banks... Uh, running back uh, you saw him a little bit uh, you were at the first game when glenwood was taking on saint ampicelli which that was a fantastic dream matchup only brought to you by the giw the gi and the aisa I, I don't think they could do that if they were both in the ahsaa or the ghsaa
1: that's, that's the played played reason ever. ever like we have never seen Glenwood play each other richard so um but i think that you know, going back to that game and seeing Glenwood, I definitely thought that Pachelli had the better roster. Watching that game, Glenwood played well, and that was also remember Coach Nelson's first game as the head coach of Glenwood. So as the season uh, went along, and you know they lost a nail biter to Brookstone, and they did get handily beat by Lee Scott. But aside from that, they have gone on to be seven after starting the season 0 and two. They finished at seven and one, one last week. So now they're eight. Of their last nine, they've uh, they've won. Lee Scott's undefeated. They're the behemoth. They're the prohibited favorite. So if Glenwood does win, it would be an upset of all upsets. And again, it would go back. It reminds me of they remember that Auburn Alabama game two thousand thirteen. The kick six. Oh yeah. I feel like, I feel like this, like this would be, because but- Alabama was the favorite. They had won the the previous state um, national championship. I don't think Lee Scott won the state championship last year, but still, I think it would be unbelievable for Lee, uh, Glenwood to upset Lee Scott. Still doesn't matter about who wins or loses at, when we're talking about the atmosphere, the environment and what it means to the community in Phoenix City especially. Um, I think it's great and you know we talk about Central and Auburn we'll get to them momentarily but Auburn and I mean Lee Scott and Glenwood should be a state championship for the ages.
0: Absolutely. well let's do talk about Central and Auburn because once again, these two teams are meeting in the semifinals of the state playoffs. And it's at Garrett Harrison Stadium, thanks to a regular season win by the Central Red Devils, 38-17. All year long, Auburn has been number one in in my rankings. You know, thrift, I have a top 10 rankings. And the Auburn Tigers high school football team has been dominant from start to finish. They play Central, and uh, they lose 38-17. It was a statement win. It gave the Central Red Devils the region. And now they get to host this playoff game at Garrett Harrison Stadium. And the winner is going to go on to play either Hoover or Thompson. I'm just going to call it thrift. I believe Thompson is just going to make it back to the state title. They've won three straight state titles. But this is a huge game for both Central and Auburn. And uh, there's a lot on the line. And this is another rivalry game that we could talk about with uh, huge playoff implications.
1: Uh, As it always is. This is not the first time both these teams have played in the semifinal, Richard, and I remember being on the field of Central versus IMG Academy. You know IMG Academy, one of the biggest high school football programs in our country, and Central held their own. They honestly had a 14-point lead. Down the stretch, you saw that Central had a bigger roster, had more players, but IMG has more five stars. So when you have a roster full of 45, four and five stars, and then on the other side, they have, you know, between five and ten, that's going to make a difference towards the end of the game. And that's what happened. That's why IMG started pulling away. But I was thoroughly impressed with Central. And ever since that game, Central's been a completely different program. That was their second loss. Remember, they got upset earlier in the year, I think, to you. From. I like, I like it. It. Uh, upset uh, Central. But ever since that IMG Academy game, and I thought that was basically a, a morale win uh, for Central, look what's happened. They have not lost. They dominated Auburn. They dominated last week. And I think being at home, they are the favorite against an Auburn team who only had one blunder the entire season, which was a central.
0: That is exciting. As the Alabama State playoffs wrap up, I mean, they'll be done by November. We've got second-round playoff games in the state of Georgia Uh, But let's start with the Carver Tigers. They went to the state title game against Benedictine last season. You and DJ had the privilege to call the playoff games uh, against Carver. You you followed this team. They had some incredible wins last year. Now they are the number two seed. they got to go on the road facing a tough team in Harlem just outside of Augusta. But I love the way that first-year head coach Pierre Coffey has got the Carver Tigers playing hard. And I'm telling you, Jamari Riley has not skipped a beat. He stepped in for Flip Creedle. And I think that the dual-threat quarterback, Navelle Dean, really leading the Carver Tigers. And and I think they could pull off the upset against Harlem.
1: Yeah, and and honestly, honestly, Sports Vision's hoping to be going to call that game, me and DJ Jones, for the Sports Vision High School Game of the Week. We're still looking for sponsorships. If you want to be a part of this historic call, um, as we always do on Flavor 92.1. All you got to do is just give me a call or DJ. My number is 706-325-6040, and I'll tell you about these hot packages, and they are worth investing in, and you're going to help us broadcast a game for the kids, for the community. And last year, we got to do that entire playoff run, Richard, and I thoroughly enjoyed doing every game with DJ. Made it all the way to the Final Four. Uh, we didn't do the state championship game, but the Final Four, the week before that, every one of them, were thriller games, and uh, respect to that coaching staff last year and that Carver team, but this is a different one. And Coach Pierre Coffey, uh, Richard, you know, had a little bit of a struggle midway through the season. Got their second loss kind of early, but they've been on a tear uh, recently. Dominant last week, thirty-nine to nine. Uh, they they were or thirty-nine to nothing, I think it was. Um, Carver was completely dominant, and I expect them this week to be competitive. But the problem is this Harlem team, they're 9-1, Richard. Their only loss is one of the top teams in the state. And I think Harlem being at home is going to present a tough matchup for Carver. Uh, but I think Coach Pierre Coffey, like you said, he has acumen to be able to make good decisions and you know, pressure situations. And I expect no different this weekend. Um, and I'm hoping the Carver Tigers pull it off. Absolutely. And uh, we got to talk about the Northside Patriots taking
0: on the Demons from Warner Robins, the two-time state champions for 5A. This is a massive game at Kennett Stadium this Friday night in Thrift. I am excited because I've been asked to fill in for the legendary broadcaster, Carlos Williams. Him and Jonathan Rivers are not going to be able to call this game. So 95.7 ESPN Radio is asking myself and Corey Bank, uh, the team that has called all the high school games in the state of Alabama, to fill in once again. We had a great time calling the Ace Charter-Spencer game where I got to witness history, the Spencer Green Wave winning their first region title in school history and getting to be a part of that new Otis Spencer Stadium. And now, Thrift, I finally get to be in the press box for the first time at Canette Stadium, a stadium that is near and dear to my heart because, you know, I live up there. I mean, it's like 10 minutes away from my house.
1: Yeah, man, and you, you and Corey do such a fantastic job. I know you're super excited. Um, to be able to do that call this weekend, I think it's your first playoff game uh, calling, calling in this, in this area, area, Is that correct? that correct?
0: Absolutely.
1: Yeah. So yeah, I know so you're I know super you're excited, and you're well deserving, Richard. And I'm um, uh, really, really, you know, looking forward, forward to the to call. The call. Um, um, Northside, Northside and Northside, Northside Warner, Warner Robins. Robins. Um, um, for one, for Northside, Northside Warner, Warner Robins, Robins has been one of the more dominant teams uh, we've seen in my, you know, living in this area. I've always remember how good Northside Warner Robbins has been. They're a 5A school that is one of the bigger schools in our entire state. Um and this time the tables have turned. Normally when Northside Warner Robbins plays Northside, Northside Warner Robbins is the favorite. They're the better team. They're the bigger team. Um but now Northside uh here in Columbus 10 and one only losses to a Lagrange team that we all know how good Lagrange is, especially you Richard, being as close as you are to the La- Lagrange, uh Panthers program or Grangers, excuse me, Lagrange Grangers program. Um, I'm super excited to see Malika Hosley, and I know you are too. With Corey, me and DJ had the privilege of doing the Northside Shawl game, Northside Hardaway game, and I didn't mention Jamar Riley because I, I he's a really good player, but honestly, I, it was hard for me not to put Malika Hosley as the best running back in the city. Jamar Riley's really good, and honestly, you can't go wrong with either one. But the way Malachi has led his team, especially early on with uh, the quarterback, you know, not, not getting his feet wet enough to throw a lot of touchdown passes, especially in the uh, the two games we call Northside Shaw, Northside Hardaway, he didn't really have to because Malachi had probably about 600 yards rushing in both those games combined. Um, but I'm super excited that you get to call this game, and Northside should win this game by 7 or 14 points. That's what many people believe, but you know in the playoffs – Anything can happen, Richard.
0: That is exciting. And uh, up the road, up uh, I-185, we also have two talented teams that are still going on in the second round of the playoffs. Callaway is taking on Fanning County and Troop County. They've had just an incredible season. They're taking on the syrup makers of Cairo. Uh, Sean Hardaway are very familiar with that as Cairo's in their region. Uh, Troop County, they've had a, just an incredible special season all year They did have the one loss. It was to LaGrange, but LaGrange had to win that game to get into the playoffs. But Troop County has got a player named Teo Todd. I'm telling you, this player is a highlight film, and uh, I expect Troop County to win this game. I'd like to see how far Troop County can go. Of course, Callaway, they've got a talented running back, Quay Whitfield, and they have a very special team. And, you know, I don't know about you, Thrift. I mean, I don't know. I've kind of written them off after starting 0 3. But you cannot write off a Callaway Cavaliers team that's well-coached by head coach Pete Wiggins that makes deep runs in the state playoffs just about every year. This is the 11th time in in their season that they have made it to the second round of the playoffs. They went to the Final Four last year. They won the state title in 2020. Um, The sky's the limit for the Callaway Cavaliers.
1: Yeah, it is. And Callaway is a team that, like I said, uh, with some like Carver, they're a team that's always in the mix, especially when it comes to playoff time. And they won a state championship or made a state championship run a few years ago. Jack Patterson, I remember how highly he thinks of them because he used to always, every time he came on the show, I don't know, it was last year or the year before, he would always mention how good this Callaway team is and they end up making a deep run. I think they're a really good team now, but the thing is they're going against a guy that I think Teo is going to be playing on Division I football on Saturdays. And I think there's no doubt about that. He reminds me a lot of like Bryce Young. I'm not saying he's near up to the player Bryce Young is right now. I'm saying he reminds me the way he plays, his elusiveness, how quick he is in the backfield, his ability to make the deep passes. He has got pinpoint accuracy. He's an electric player. And Troop County, again, because of how good Tao Todd is, should be the favorite. But when it comes to, again, rivalries and teams that have seen each other before, You never know what's going to happen. I do want to also say you got to do the Spencer Ace Charter game a few weeks ago. Spencer did lose, but I thought um, Coach Joseph Kegler did a fantastic job the entire year this year. Many people thought that maybe Spencer would win three or four games. I didn't hear anybody say Spencer Greenwaves were going to be region champs, eight wins, and get to host a playoff game. I know they lost that game. Many people wanted them to win. I did. But I still got to give credit where credit's due. Joseph Kegler and the entire administration at Spencer, they have put a lot of, uh, including Monk Johnson and, of course, Otis Sistrunk himself, the former NFL Hall of Famer, uh, should be Hall of Famer, but Georgia High School Hall of Famer, Otis Sistrunk. They invest in this program, all of them, the entire Spencer community, and you saw what happens when you invest in young athletes like this. They got a good basketball team. We know that won state championship last year. Football did excellent as well. I just want to give them a shout out thrift as
0: always I appreciate you being on the show you and DJ Jones do a incredible job on sports visions and I look forward to watching you guys on Mondays and Thursdays but I kind of wish that you guys were were on more I mean I, I got to get more it's nice to see the sports visions in the background and it, you know this is normally when you don't do sports visions but it's just great seeing you and just being a guest on the show
1: man i appreciate you as always i told you anytime you hit me up i'm gonna be on the show and hopefully we maybe we can make this a weekly thing especially as we get into basketball season as well man you chop it up we can call it thrifts tuesdays or whatever you want um but as always the sports beat is something i like to listen to because it keeps me up to date with everything that's happening just like we do at sports visions and we're all working together and it's going to be a fantastic week this week uh hopefully calling with dj the carver game you'll be calling the Northside game. Hopefully, we'll be doing games again next week because both teams are going to win. And who knows? Brooks on Bachelli may play each other. And you got Lee Scott Glenwood. There's no reason anyone should be sitting in the house with all this great sports going on right now in the area.
0: You are absolutely right, Thrift. Uh, thanks once again for being on the show and uh, have fun out there.
1: Yeah, you, yeah, too, you man. too, man. Yeah, enjoy yeah, your enjoy broadcast. That's where I said, hey, and, uh, and, uh, enjoy the coach's show. show.
0: All right. That was Thrift Behringer from Sports Visions. And uh, thank you once again for listening to another show and watching us on Facebook Live. Don't forget that you can like, subscribe to our Facebook channel and you can download the podcast on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hope everybody has a great rest of your day. And we out of here. We are back on the show and I've got my weekly guest, Justin Dale, here to talk everything Georgia sports-related sports related and uh, Justin, it's great to actually have you on my video podcast for the first time. And uh, Justin, how you doing?
2: I'm good, man. Good, man. I'm good. good. Um, yeah, yes. Cool being we'll on, on the video podcast. I like people, I, I guess, guess, put a face with voice that was hearing. hearing. Oh, that's right. For several, for several weeks. weeks. Oh. Oh. Yeah, It's, yeah, it's, it's good. It's good.
0: We are going to start with the Braves, Justin, because Michael Harris II wins Rookie of the Year. He beats out his teammate Spencer Strider. You're the biggest Braves fan I know. I know that the Braves have a bright future with Michael Harris and Spencer Strider. But congratulations to uh, the local kid out of Stockbridge, Georgia, and then uh, you know just just a great achievement for yet another talented Atlanta Braves rookie.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Congratulations to Michael Harris II. second. Um, well deserved. Uh his story is just phenomenal. You know, local kid drafted by his hometown team. Um, you know, he's drafted in uh 2020, you know, during the COVID year. So he really didn't get his professional career started till till 2021. Uh rose pretty fast through rookie ball and, and, and single A, high A, and then got to double A this year and only spent like not even full two months in Double A before he was called up to the majors. And he just never missed a beat, you know, when he came up. He, he hit, he played well, he didn't really struggle. Um, he, he had a few struggles in September. But, I mean, the fact for a kid to make that kind of a jump and play as well as he did, and he really stabilized the outfield for the Braves. A lot of the, the turnaround for the Braves, you know, they didn't play very good for the first two months of the season. So a lot of their turnaround came when Michael Harris was was brought up. To the club. He was slotted in the center field, which at the time allowed Adam Duvall to move over to a corner outfield position, which he's a little bit more suited for than playing center field. And yeah, it was great. Um, you know, that that nothing against Spencer Strider because he had a phenomenal year too, finished number two in the voting. You couldn't have gone wrong with either one of those kids, honestly, for the rookie of the year award this year. Um Second year and second time in MLB history that two teammates finished one and two. The first time was in 2011 when Craig Kimbrell beat out Freddie Freeman for the uh, rookie of the year. So that's kind of a cool little stat. That the, the Braves have both of those um, those records, I guess, for you know, top two, two rookies, rookies and stuff,
0: so, so. I just saw a word that the Chicago Cubs have released Jason Hayward. And the first thing that came to my mind is I want a reunion. Jason Hayward returning to the Atlanta Braves on a minimum salary, a minor league contract. We have got to get Jason Hayward back in a Braves uniform. I'm not just saying this because I still have a Jason Hayward Braves t-shirt, but I was a huge fan of Jason Hayward when he came on the scene in 2010. His time in Atlanta was very short-lived. I was heartbroken when they traded him away in 2014. But Jason Hayward is a fan favorite. In Atlanta, another local kid went to uh, Henry County, and uh, a resident of McDonough, Georgia.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of people remember Jason Hayward. Um, you know, he had a he started off his major league career with such a bang of that big home run on opening day in 2010, I believe is when it was. He also made the All Star team that year as a rookie, and he just looked like he had this bright future ahead of him. Um, and then, you know, some injuries, some other things, kind of derailed that start that really good year he had his rookie season in 2010 um but yeah he was a local kid from Henry County um i don't know if there the pressure sometimes sometimes the pressure playing for your hometown t- um club you know can get to certain players you know D- Dansby kind of experienced some struggles early on in his career uh the braves really tried to market him you know being that hometown kid and in, in 20 and in 2017 he really struggled a lot um in uh in that season, uh maybe with some of the pressure on him. But yeah, it's you know, it, it would be great to see a reunion. You know, we saw Jeff core come back, play one of his last seasons in Atlanta. The fans loved it, you know, and stuff like that. And so it'd be great. You know, obviously, you know, Jason's had some struggles in Chicago. He hasn't he didn't really live up to the contract that he signed. But having him back in Atlanta on a you know minor league deal and bike to spring training camp, I mean there's no harm in that obviously bringing him in give him a shot, see if he can make the club and it would be great. You know, Atlanta fans would love to see him there. I'm sure there's probably a lot of people that's got Hayward jerseys packed away. They'd love to break out and wear back to the, to the ballpark next year. So yeah, it'd be great to see uh, him back in a Braves uniform. If, if that's what happens.
0: Justin, the SEC championship is set. It is going to be Georgia versus LSU. I really wanted Georgia and Alabama, but LSU has just been the surprise team this year. Uh, I actually look at this LSU team, and they just get better and better every week. Uh, That game against Florida State to start the season, it's in the rearview mirror. That is not the LSU team that we have seen. And even the team that got blown out by Tennessee at home. They are a very talented team, a very dangerous team. What Georgia has to do, they have got to beat Kentucky and Georgia Tech. They've got to go undefeated, going into the SEC championship game, because I believe, Justin, even if they lose to LSU, I still feel that Georgia is going to get into the college football playoff, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. They are going to win. I mean, this is the goal all year. They won the national championship last year, but they didn't win the SEC championship this is Kirby Smart's goal, is to win the SEC championship, have a perfect season, and win a second straight national title.
2: That's correct. You know, it's great that Georgia got back into the, the SEC championship game. Um, game. I, I really thought whoever won that Georgia-Tennessee game was going get to this, get this honor representing the East. And so, uh, it's good to see Georgia back there. You know, obviously, yeah, LSU, I mean, preseason picked to finish fifth, I think, in the West. And they... Surprised all expectations to to win the to clinch the SEC West, which is um, phenomenal for them. Uh, You know, I I'm not gonna lie, I was I was not impressed with the Brian Kelly hire. I really didn't think that was going to work at LSU, um, and I definitely didn't see this happening in year one for sure. And so, kudos to that that LSU program and to Brian Kelly for keeping, especially after that that loss against Florida State to start the season. You know, it was kind of an ugly loss at the time; didn't look very good. um, But now. You know, like you said, it's in the rearview mirror. Nobody's thinking about, you know, that Florida State loss now. Um, And so, yeah, they have an opportunity to win the SEC title and have an opportunity as well, if they were to win the SEC title, to at least be in the conversation for getting into the college football playoff. I I don't know with the two losses. They would be the first two-loss team to get in if they were. Um, But they definitely would be in the conversation for sure. Um, So. So yeah, it should be a good game. Um, Georgia's going to have to, you know, contend with Jaden Daniels, who's their, you know, their their quarterback, who seems to get better every single week. He's mobile. Um, he can, you know, break containment and get out. And If he gets loose, he's got some wheels on him. He can run. So you're going to have to be careful with him. So it'll be definitely a tall, uh, a good task, good challenge for the the Georgia defense. Um, You know, the Georgia defense has been very good this year. You know, we played very well against Tennessee, but then they have their moments like kind of like they did against Mississippi State this weekend where they just kind of break contain or have something that they, you know, just kind of some boneheaded mistakes and stuff like that where they let a player get loose and and score touchdowns and things like that. And so, you know, it's, Sometimes it is. We're not sure which defense will show up, but it it seems like Georgia, when they have these big games like this, that's when they do tend to show up, which is is great. That's what you want to do. And so hopefully they'll be up to the task. But either way, this should be a very exciting SEC championship matchup. I'm looking forward to it just to get a little revenge from 2019 when Joe Burrow and company, you know, absolutely slaughtered us (laughs) in the SEC title game. So um, I'm looking forward to a little revenge against LSU for that. So, yeah, it should should be a really good game.
0: Well, the history is really not gone in Georgia's favor. You talk about 2019 when Joe Burrow and LSU caught lightning in a bottle and they won the national championship. Against a decent Georgia team, the 2019 team did lose to South Carolina, but Jake Fromm was the quarterback. They were a decent, they had a great defense, just their offense really couldn't move the ball. And I think of Georgia LSU, I think of the 2011 SEC title game. You remember when Georgia started 0-2, They lost to Boise State and South Carolina to start the season. And uh, that was the year that Isaiah Corwell won uh, SEC Freshman of the Year. And uh, that was the game where Georgia had a lead in the first half. And then Tyron Matthew returned a putt back. And do you remember him flipping the football before he entered the end zone. I mean, that was a very controversial uh, play, but, you know, Georgia, you know, the the wheels came off in the second half, but I think that that was a turning point in the game. So, yeah, the past 10 years, Georgia has not had success against LSU in the SEC championship.
2: No, they haven't. Um, You know, I point – you can definitely point to that. I can also point to the uh, 2005 SEC championship game when Georgia played LSU. LSU was actually favored to win that game, and Georgia beat them. And so that was a um, that was a good win for us um, against them. And 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 you know, Georgia and LSU's have some close game. Even non non conference championship games have had some close games. It's been a decent rival. We don't play them every year, obviously, but when we do get together with them, it seems to be a pretty decent game. Um, I can remember the twenty, I believe it was twenty thirteen, when the yeah. uh, when we played LSU, LSU and it was Aaron Murphy again. Um. Who was LSU's quarterback at that time? Had the long last, long, funny last night. Oh, uh, Zach Mettenberger. Zach, Met- Zach Mettenberger, thank you. Yes. Had uh yeah, it was it was Aaron Murray against Zach Mettenberger. You know, Mettenberger was actually a commit at Georgia. He was battling Aaron Aaron Murray for that starting job, and then he got kicked off the team for some off-the-field issues, ended up enrolling at LSU. And um and they played each other, so it was a good head-to-head matchup. So I remember, I can remember that game, and Georgia pulled that game out. They were playing here in Athens at home, so they pulled that game out. So, yeah, Georgia. When, when Georgia and LSU get together, it's usually a very good, entertaining game. Um, and so I'm hoping that you know Georgia will buck history a little bit in that trend. And that was the one thing about last year: we, we won the national championship, and that was great. But we didn't get the SEC championship, and I hope that this team, those returning starters from last year's team. You know, have that chip on their shoulder about you know we want to win the SEC this time and get that championship under our belts, you know, and then go into the college football playoff and try to repeat.
0: Fun fact, Justin, Georgia is two and zero against Brian Kelly.
2: Yes, they are Uh, at Notre Dame because they played them twice and and beat them. All
0: right, Justin, we're going to go and switch gears and talk about the Atlanta Falcons because head coach Arthur Smith came out and said. That Marcus Mariota is our guy. We are not making a quarterback change. The Falcons fan base wants Desmond Ritter. They play the Bears on Sunday. They really just gave up and lost to a, a team. that was It was a winnable game, that, that Thursday night game against Carolina. And I feel like the Falcons' season is starting to unravel, especially since Tom Brady has won two straight games, and the Buccaneers are 5-5, five and five and they're in first place in the NFC South.
2: Right, it seems like Tom whatever struggles Tom Brady was having at the first half of the season, he's starting to put that behind him whether it's the divorce or whatever you want to attribute it to. It seems like he's putting that stuff behind him and starting to play more like Tom Brady that we know. Um but yeah, the Falcons uh you know they they were in first, you know 2 weeks ago they were in first place all by themselves. They've lost two games since then out of two games under 500. And yeah, this, this game against Carolina was ugly and I know that the weather was a factor in this game. It was, it was a rainy night. Um, but beside that, you know, beside the, it it was, it was a team loss. I know a lot of people want to point to Marcus Mariota's play, which was definitely not very good in this game. Um, this is probably one of the worst games I've seen him play in a Falcons uniform. Um, I mean, this is a guy that's been in the league for several years. He's a vet, but I mean, I don't, how many times did he chunk the ball up in the air and just it was more like a hope and a pray? <laughs> and honestly, I'm surprised Carolina didn't have more interceptions. To be completely honest with you, uh, because those kind of those kind of just throw the ball up and hope and pray for a miracle. Those kind of things that that's usually stuff you see rookies do, not not guys that's been in the league for five or six years. And so, even as a as a starter at one time with Tennessee, and even as a backup with the Raiders, and so it just. You know, it was just kind of mind-boggling. I just I felt like he was just trying to make things happen and was just for trying to force the ball down the field most of the game. Um, but also, I mean, but besides that, I mean, the, the the offensive line got beat the whole night up front. The defensive line got got beat up front the whole night. Uh, the Falcons could not play their their game, and even though that game was, I mean, they were down. I think maybe at one point, thirteen points was the biggest margin of difference in that game it just felt like the Falcons were behind by more than that because it just, they just couldn't seem to get in a rhythm offensively in that game. And so, yeah, it just wasn't, it wasn't a very good game. It was ugly. Um, you know, those Thursday night games, whether, how, however you feel about Thursday night football games, I know it seems like the teams, you know, that quick turnaround, having to play four days later from Sunday, some teams just don't look very sharp and i, I like to hopefully maybe chalk some of this up to just the quick turnaround on a Thursday night game. But um, the Falcons, you know, they have extra time to rest, and they'll be playing Sunday next. You know, um, yeah, this is coming Sunday against the Bears, and so hopefully we'll see. You know, they'll also be back home in their in you know in their home stadiums. So hopefully we'll see a better performance from the Falcons. But yeah, I, I know the fans want to see um, Desmond Ritter. I'm I honestly am you know intrigued by what Desmond can bring to the table too. But I just don't know. Arthur Smith is I think while the Falcons are in the mix. And still within contention and, and within reach of trying to win this division this year, he's going to keep playing Mariota because he feels like the vet gives him the best chance to win a game. Um, I don't know at what point do you decide that Desmond Ritter can't play any worse than what Mariota's played in order you know, to, to say we're going to make a change. But I, right now, I think unless the Falcons get eliminated from the playoffs or there's, a, there's an injury to Marcus Mariota, I, don't, I just don't know when we're going to see Desmond Ritter.
0: Justin, I'm a former resident of Ackworth, Kennesaw area. I know you are from Marietta. Uh, I honestly feel uh, Justin Fields is beloved in the Kennesaw area. I feel there's going to be a lot of Justin Fields jerseys at the bands, not because they're Chicago Bears fans. There are fans in the Marietta area that love Justin Fields. I mean, how is his reception going to be coming home, returning to Atlanta where he was a star in high school. And then, you know, he did play that one season in Georgia.
2: Well, I think well, it'll I think be a great, great. reception for, for Justin Fields, honestly. I, I think that, uh, yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of probably friends, family of his that will be down there. It'll be homecoming of sorts. He's played state, you know, football championships in this stadium. And so he, you know, he's familiar with the turf. And so this is a – it's a homecoming of sorts for the kid, for sure. So I think there will be some some people from Marietta probably representing, you know, with some Bears jerseys on and stuff like that, um, you know, cheering for them and things like that. Um, my girlfriend's kids are Bears fans, so they're going to be cheering for Justin Fields and, and, and the Bears and stuff like that. So, um, but, yeah, I think it will be a good homecoming for him. You know, I, even Georgia fans remember Justin Fields. I mean, I know we're all a little bit – Maybe there's some mixed emotions among the Georgia fan base over Justin Fields and him leaving to go to Ohio state. You know, some people blame him. Some people blame this, the, the team and, and coach smart and stuff like that. You know, I don't, I don't blame Justin Fields for wanting to play. He was, he was a generational talent coming out of high school. Uh, he sat a year behind Jake Fromm, um, and, and he just never at the time never got the opportunity to see if he could play better and play and lead that offense um, from Jake Fromm, and, and it definitely didn't look like he was going to get the starting job the next year, and he just didn't want to sit a second season, and he was too talented to sit uh, behind uh, Jake Fromm, to be completely honest with you, and so I don't blame him for transferring out and going to Ohio State and getting his playing time. I mean, it would have been great to see him in a Georgia uniform starting, leading this offense, um, and it just unfortunately, it just didn't work out um, for him at Georgia, but he's... he's you know, he seems to be turning a corner this year with the bears. He had a huge game of two weeks ago. Um, and so it seems like he's the bear. He's starting to turn some corners and, and figuring some things out with the bears and, and, and stuff. And so it'll be interesting to, to see him play and see what the Falcons can do uh, with this bear, you know, trying to contain that bears offense.
0: Justin, as always, I appreciate you being a guest on the show and I'm, Really rocking! I'm loving this video podcast. It's just nice to finally see your face after all these years. When was the last time we saw each other? What five years ago? I mean, the last time I lived up there was—it's been a while. I mean, I—I I lived up there in 2015, uh, but man, it's great seeing your face again after all these years.
2: Yeah, it's probably, yeah, it's a, little probably a little bit grayer, grayer than you remember it being. Me. About five. Yeah. <laughs> years. Uh, no. But yeah, it's yeah, good it's to see good you to see too, me. man. Um, always good to appreciate you having me on the podcast, as always. Um uh, next next time you have me on the video podcast I'll get I need to get my office cleaned up but I got my bobbleheads and stuff in there I'll do it from there so that we can get those on the on the on video, video podcast, podcast too.
0: You're absolutely right and I need to set up my man cave too because I have well I don't have a whole lot of stuff. But <laughs> thank you so much again for just for being a guest on the show and uh we'll talk to you next week. Awesome, sounds awesome. good. Sounds good. All right, that was my weekly guest, Justin Dale. He is everything Atlanta sports-related. Thank you so much once again for listening to another episode and watching us, another episode of The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. Hope everybody has a great rest of your day, and we're out of here. Bye.
1: You've been listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. We invite you to download and subscribe.